here it is when God comes for you, when he calls you to come and do something, a lot of times you're going to have to set on fire and burn whatever it is you were used to doing. I am on the roll today and I didn't really mean to wear this cross earrings while I'm reading this book. I promise that wasn't even on purpose. That was just the closest earrings I had. All right. So hi, I'm Karen. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna just jump into it. All right. So I want to share what I was reading this morning. Um, it really just had me thinking. And the funny thing is I've been in this section and I just left it open and I haven't tried to like open to other places. Uh, I just, I've kept reading and I saw something that I never paid attention to before, considering I've probably read this story about Elijah and Elisha quite, it just for a while. Like last year, I felt like God kept having me open to these pages with Elisha, not necessarily Elijah, but Elisha and just reading his boldness and just, he just has such a boldness and confidence in God that he didn't doubt him. He didn't question him. And he would just say something and he would stick with it. And he was unwavering. And I just, can you tell like I have a passion about this? <laughs> I don't want to say I'm envious, but it's like, man, God, give me a portion of his boldness because I don't even know if I even want a portion. I want like, I want all of it because just like he asked, he was so bold. He asked God for a double portion of Elijah's blessing, you know? And I'm just, am I saying that right? Blessing him, anointing, whatever. He asked for a double portion. I want to get to this place in my life where I can be bold enough and confident enough to ask God something. And I, and I, pray that what I asked for is already within his will for my life, that he will give it to me in such a portion and such, in such abundance. Like it's just, it's beautiful reading about Elisha, man. It's just, I feel like he shows you how to be bold, how to be bold for God, how to believe in God with such boldness. But that's not why we're here today. So let's get into the story. <laughs> I am actually in first Kings 1914. All right. So this is Elijah here talking to God. Okay. Elijah, not Elisha yet. He's on his way to go pick up Elisha. And there's some interesting messages in between here. So I just, I got to share it because I just feel like, man, this is just a word for us. Not even somebody. It's a word for us. Okay. So yeah, I'm pumped. Why not? I've been feeling some kind of way as of late and it was all because of my doing. All right. Oh, mm. Let's back up. This is going to be long, but I promise you it's going to be good. I promise you it's going to be good. You got to get the context of it. So, all right. So the Lord speaks to Elijah, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. I got to read it with emphasis so you can feel where this man coming from now. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord 
was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness, to Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram, the Arameans. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from the town of Ebel Mihola. <laughs> these names. To replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu. Who's this? This is Ahab and Jezebel. Take note, take note. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. I thought that was interesting. I never, ever, ever paid any attention to that part that they will be killed by the prophet Elisha. Remember I was talking about the boldness of Elisha? Yet, I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. AKA the cow, the goat head with the titties, uh, people killing their babies, AKA abortions, what's happening with the abortion babies. They're killing it and giving it to Baal. So let's move on to the next section. It says the call to, of Elisha. So Elijah went and found Elijah, son of Siphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elijah must have just been tired. I bet he was just like, man, I'm so done with this. I'm just ready to go. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I will go with you. And then Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So I'm going to stop there for a second because there's some things I want to point out here with this story. Now, I read this about a couple of days ago. And when I read it, I was like, wow, here it is. When God comes for you, when he calls you to come and do something, a lot of times you're going to have to set on fire and burn whatever it is you were used to doing. No matter what kind of job it was, maybe you thought you were just so great at it and everybody just loves you and you feel quote unquote glorified in this position. You're going to have to be willing to burn it and give it to God. Because think about it, when you burn something, especially back in the day when they burnt something, like they burnt animals and cooked it, they usually... Part of that went on an altar and parts of it went to a priest, you know, and here it is. He's celebrating. He's willing to let go instead of just running off and just leaving his family. He's like, you know what? Let me at least just say goodbye to them because I'm leaving them behind. 
But I'm not just going to be like, dip the hell out. But I'm going to say my goodbyes and I'm going to celebrate with these people. But I'm leaving all of this behind. He even used the wood that they used to plow the field with to actually start the fire. And that goes to show you that God is going to give you everything you need with what you've already been using in the first place. So I was like, man, that's a message right in this in itself. He's always going to use whatever you have right in the moment where you are, even though you think you have nothing to give him praise with. Just be willing to let go. I'll say that. If you're going to follow God, you have to be willing to let go. And Jesus even said that same thing. You're going to have to be willing to let go of what you think you you think the way is or what you consider rich and abundant and successful. And this even speaks to me. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm going to have to be willing to let go of the things that I think are going to work and just let God have a have his way. Like, so... This is one portion. Let's keep going. All right. I know we're almost done. But I can't share this message without this because if you know anything about Ahab and Jezebel, I want to show you something. If you think that you are an Ahab or if you've been a Jezebel and you think you're unworthy or maybe you're thinking, oh, you're crossed out already. There's no way God, you know, will give me a second chance. I want to show you something in here that I didn't notice before. So catch this now. So we've just come out of 1 King 19. We're going into 1 King 20. So in 19, where he tells, you know, Elisha, don't worry about it. I'm going to have you go anoint, you know, King Hazel and anoint Jehu. And if you know who Jehu is, he's the one who takes down, you know, Jezebel and Ahab. But we come into 20 and I find a very interesting thing that even though God knows he's going to anoint these other people to do these things, to take out Ahab and that whole Jezebel spirit and Jezebel, it's almost like he knew that Ahab had a chance to turn things around and he didn't. And that's why I want to read this part here for anybody who may be feeling like God can't possibly use me. Not with who I've been, not with what I've done. He can't possibly want to use me for anything. I, I always feel like things could either go this way or it could turn a, a, a terrible left. I feel like there's like these many little roads, like as we keep going, there's like these many little roads. Even if we went this way, there's always this little road to like get back, to head straight. And the question is, are you at that point where you're about to pass that last road? And is it quite possible that even if you are, as, even if you are a jack, you've been a jacked up person, you've been a jacked up parent, you know, you've been selfish, personally speaking. And is it possible that God gives you these quote unquote last second chances and you have an opportunity to turn away from evil? And I feel like that's what I'm reading here with Ahab. So let me read it. I just wanted to state this so you can get where I'm going with this and keep watching. <laughs> All right. So first Kings 20. So Ben-Hadad attacked Samaria. About that time, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mobilized his army, supported by the chariots and horses of 32, 
allied kings. That's a lot of kings to come together to come attack Israel. They went to besiege Samaria, the capital of Israel, which I thought was interesting, not Jerusalem at the time, and launched attacks against it. Ben-Hadad sent messengers into the city to relay this message to King Ahab of Israel. This is what Ben-Hadad says, your silver and gold are mine, and so are your wives and the best of your children. All right, my lord, the king, Israel's king replied, all that I have is yours. Soon Ben-Hadad's messenger returned again and said, this is what Ben-Hadad says. I have already demanded that you give me your silver, gold, wives, and children. But about this time tomorrow, I will send my officials to search your palace and the homes of your people. They will take away everything you consider valuable. Then Ahab summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, look, look how this man is staring up trouble. I already agreed with his demand that I'll give him my wives and my children and silver and gold. Don't give in to any more demands, all the elders and the people advised. So Ahab told the messengers of Ben-Hadad, say this to the Lord, the king, I would give you everything you asked for the first time, but I cannot accept the last demand of yours. So the messengers returned to Ben-Hadad with this response. Then Ben-Hadad sent this message to Ahab, may the gods strike me and even kill me if there remains enough dust from Samaria to provide even a handful for each of my soldiers. The king of Israel sent back this message. A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who has already won. Ahab's reply reached Ben-Hadad and the other kings as they were drinking in their tents. Prepare to attack, Ben-Hadad commanded his officers. So they prepare to attack the city. Here comes the interesting point. I know I'm getting to the point here. Then a certain prophet, he didn't say who it was. I thought that was interesting because we know it ain't Elijah because Ahab and Jezebel was coming for Elijah's throat. They were killing off all the prophets. So we know it ain't them. So then a certain prophet came to King Ahab of Israel and told him, this is what the Lord says. Do you see all these enemy forces? Today, I will hand them over to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ahab asked, how will he do it? And the prophet replied, this is what the Lord says. The troops of the provincial commanders will do it. Should we attack first? Ahab asked. Yes, the prophet answered. Let's stop here. We see in the previous chapter that here it is. God has already ensured Elijah that he's going to have some other people anointed to come and kill Ahab and Jezebel. But then you turn around over here in chapter 20, verse, 9, verse 13. And here it is. God is using a prophet to come and talk to Ahab and to tell him, don't you worry about this. They're not going to win. I'm going to hand them over to you. And I kind of thought, hold up. Why would God do that? Why would God keep trying to show Ahab that he is Lord? He is God. If he know he's already going to kill him. I It dawned on me for a second. It was like, wow, is this how much God loves us that he will continually try to reach us before it's too late, before we reach that last street? that we can't turn back anymore from our wicked ways. Like there's always that like point where you're like, you know, you've, you've come to a dead end. Like you don't know how much more you can take. And here it is. God already knows, like, just know that I'm your Lord. He's trying to make him see that. Look, 
I'm real. Seek me. Seek me now while you can. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Seek me now while you can. Seek my face now while I'm here. I just read that this week. Stop. It can't be in here. Um, Hold on. I'm flipping through this like I really know where it's going to be at. I don't know. Let's try 56 and see what happens. Oh my gosh. I found something in the Bible. <laughs> Without Google, miracles do happen. This is Elisha 55 because I like been kind of like flipping between here and here. Just opening. Uh, 55 verse 6. It says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is lit near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. And then it says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Oh my goodness, this just tied it all together. So it goes to show you that even if you've been an Ahab or a Jezebel, if you even if you've been a Jezebel, God says, seek him now while you can still find him. Turn away from your wicked ways. You know if you're doing something that is wrong. And if you don't know it's wrong, look up the Ten Commandments. Google it. If you are doing anything that falls in that list, it's wrong. Oh, man. This is how much mercy God has. Even if you are an Ahab or a Jezebel, he is willing to still show you he is God and have mercy on you. But you can't keep walking in the way you are walking and think that God is all, his hand is always going to be with you. Because eventually he's going to take his hand away and he's not going to be walking with you anymore. And if you know the story about Ahab and Jezebel, it doesn't end good. It doesn't end good. Jezebel ends up being pushed out of the window by her servants because Jehu told them to push them, push her down. She fell down. He went inside. They had wine and they're celebrating eating the food. Come back outside. The wild dogs, they eaten her and the only thing I left like a couple of bones. The rest of her body is gone and it's scattered everywhere. Just like God said to the prophet or the prophet, was it the prophet Elijah said that to her proclaimed like it was going to happen. So all I'm saying is look, don't keep walking in the way you're walking. God loves us all. But it is going to come a certain point when we, if we don't keep taking heed to those little whispers. It said it here. When that he said that little voice, because God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. What was he in? He was in that still little voice that says, what are you doing here? So my question is going to be to you. What are you doing here? Come out of that cave. That's not where God has for you. He doesn't have somewhere dark, murky, and hidden for you to be sitting in fearful. 
sinning. He's calling you out of it. And if you put aside what you think is right, put aside your wrongdoing, put it aside and seek him and find him while he is near, while he is still whispering into your heart and into your ear because he knows you are going through it. He knows it. Do it while you can. None of us are promised tomorrow. And this is our opportunity. If he's whispering to you, seek him, ask him to show you how to find him. Start here. That's where I found him. I was going to church way before I was pregnant and I didn't find him there. He gave me peace. I asked him something I never would have thought to even ask him. I asked him to give me peace. And like a couple of days later, like probably not even more than three days later, I have never... It was like I never... I, I, it's like I wasn't depressed. I didn't feel hopeless anymore. Like... I just, that's the best way I can explain it. God is trying to get your attention. And it's up to you to hear the whisper and to come out of the cave. Anyway, that is it for this message. I hope this reaches you and touches your heart. And if you've you've questioned yourself, and I know I've never said none of this in my videos before, but if at any point you're questioning your life and you really want to seek God and you want to seek Jesus, this is your time. Accept him into your heart. Seek him with all your heart and you will find him. He says, seek him. Stop doing wrong. Seek him. Do what is right. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And the desires of your heart are going to be what he already had in store for you in the first place. You will start to desire it and you will see it unfold. And a lot of times it's not what we envision for our lives, you know? It's nothing like we pictured. But like he said, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Anyway, thank y'all so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed it. That's it. I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.